3: Hi there, welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast where women can share their experiences with pregnancy and birth, a space created solely for women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the details. In this episode, I chat to Michelle and she talks me through her two pregnancies and births. She's a proud mum to Harry, who's a two and a half year old little boy, and also to Sophie and Sam, who are nine month old twins. She speaks very honestly about the weeks and months following Harry's birth um, and also about the the shock and the surprise and the delight of finding out that they, herself and her husband, were due twins. Um, she then goes into her pregnancy with the twins and how well she was looked after by her team in the hospital and then obviously goes into the birth of the twins so she goes into all the detail that we need to hear and especially those mums that are due twins so I think it's going to be a really beneficial episode Um, and also she touches on life with twins which is lovely to hear so I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Michelle thank you for joining us if you just want to start by giving us a little introduction about your family and who you are.
2: Hi everybody, um, I'm Michelle, I am from NACE and I have three gorgeous little kitties. Harry is two and all two, almost two and a half and I have nine month old twins, a boy and a girl, Sophie and Sam. And yeah, myself and husband are blessed, there are three great kids, um, no more than anyone else. We're all sleep deprived and you know, <laughs> whatever else that goes along with parenthood, but we're very happy. Uh, so that's us in a nutshell. Yeah. And was your pregnancy with Harry planned? Absolutely so we got married in um, 2016 and then we went on honeymoon and we thought look we'll just enjoy ourselves and whatever and just enjoy the holiday for what it was and when we came home we said look we'll try and start for a family Um, and we were very lucky within a month or two we were pregnant. Oh, okay. um, so it was very very easy process for us so I think think if i'm not wrong he was born in may so it was probably around oh the end of august i probably got pregnant and the pregnancy i suppose your first pregnancy it was kind of it was planned and whatever else but the minute we found out we were pregnant it was kind of like oh my god yeah. we're pregnant but no um absolutely delighted the pregnancy i suppose was was fine towards maybe the middle of the pregnancy i found it harder i had a really bad pgp Pelvic girdle pain for anyone that didn't know what that was, um, and that really slowed me down big time. And then I had problems with sciatica, and all the other lovely things that go along with pregnancy. But um, yeah, I found that the toughest, and. I actually really enjoyed pregnancy I enjoyed being pregnant for the first pregnancy my husband would probably say the complete opposite because all I did was complain but I actually really did love being pregnant um and I loved I was one of those really cringy people that would follow the apps to you know what kind of vegetable is the child this week (laughs) I'd have all my workmates absolutely driven demented but um no I enjoyed it I really really kind of took every week and um yeah just
3: went with the flow And just with your pelvic girdle pain and your sciatica, did you attend a physio to help relieve that pain?
2: Um, On my first baby, I was actually semi-private. So I had mentioned it to my consultant team and they were really good. they kind of suggested that I'd be referred to physio in the hospital Um, and I think within a week or two I had gotten a letter saying that I was invited to classes in the hospital Um and like I found them helpful they kind of give you exercises now they were long enough classes if I'm not wrong I think they were an hour or two long and you had three or four of them and you were in a very small room with probably up to about 10 or 12 other women but the exercise that I learned definitely helped. And I was having major difficulty climbing stairs, getting in and out of the car. Um, and they'd give me different little tips and tricks um, on how to do that. And then I think at one point um, it got so bad, actually, that I, I ended up going to a physio one-on-one in the hospital. They just said the class wasn't enough for me. So I just went in and she just had a look at me and she gave me, um, I don't know what, we, I think it was just a pelvic girdle pain kind of. Belt. She said to me, "It can make it worse or better," and unfortunately, it made my pain a lot worse. Um, so I decided in the end not to wear it. And the the only thing to help me get around was a pair of crutches that I had at home. So I kind of just hobbled around on those every now and again. Oh. Getting off the couch, I'd probably have to stand for a couple of minutes almost to let my bones resettle again. It was just yeah. horrific. But um, look, they're all things you deal with. But in hindsight, they disappear after pregnancy, which yeah. was brilliant. Yeah. But it was tough going at the time. But the physio was great. I have to say, yeah. Did you continue to work through that? Yes, I worked through it. I'm sorry, I'm trying to think I'm trying, trying to remember back. But yeah, no, I'm a primary school teacher, so I'll be on my feet a lot throughout the day. Um and so I suppose in a, in a way it was probably good because it kept my my body moving yeah. and things like that. Obviously I should have been resting it, but like you can't really rest it all that much at work. So it was fine, but like I work with the really small kids, so you're kind of hunkering down and you're you're whatever, so that was really difficult on my back and my hips and stuff, so i, I you know my my colleagues are really good, like they'd give me the really nice chairs that would go up and down, and I'd kind of try and make do in in work, but um, yeah, I know it was really difficult, I have to say towards the end, yeah, and what were the first signs then that it was about to start? yeah, so first baby, you have no idea what to expect, so um I can pretty much say I was in predormal labor for a couple of weeks and I had lost my mucus plug like I'd say maybe nearly three or four weeks before I actually had him and you know you read all these books and they're like oh you're gonna lose it and then you're in labor within 24 hours well oh my god I must have grown it again and it came out again I was just so yeah weeks later I like I said was getting contractions on and off constantly um so on the Saturday we were over in Jonathan's sister's house and I kind of didn't think about it but like I was just sitting there, and she's got three of her own kids and doing whatever, and then I just kind of turned to Jonathan and his sister, and I said, "Oh my god!" Like, I kind of get in pains every twenty minutes, and Jonathan goes, "Are you kidding me?" And I was like, "No, no!" Like, I've just been sitting here trying to record it. So I went home, and of course, I I felt like it was coming on, and then by the evening, it was completely gone. Then Sunday, I I, I tried, I think. just get up and get on with it but you know you're just waiting for it to happen um so i think i actually ended up cooking a roast chicken that day and like just doing whatever and then they came again and they were getting stronger and stronger we went for a really long walk and then it stopped it was so frustrating at this point since 36 weeks, my consultant had been, I think 36 weeks, my consultant had asked me, could she examine me? And I said, yes, not understanding that that pretty much means I'm going to give you a sweep. Yeah. So that kind of shocked me. Mm. I left almost feeling traumatized. and And had she told you why she wanted to examine you at that stage? um I suppose I had been saying that I was getting pressure and like I had been having really strong kind of like Braxton Hicks and so like I said I was feeling like I was in labour nearly all the time so I suppose maybe she just did want to check but I didn't realise that was consent to do what she was about to do so don't get me wrong I was at the point where I wanted it all to happen so I was okay with it but I think her having done that you know made this whole paranormal thing worse for the next couple of weeks Um, that's just me thinking I I obviously don't know I'm no medical professional but um yeah so she from 36 weeks on they were like oh next week definitely now we're going to sweep you again and if nothing happens blah blah. and she kept saying this and if it wasn't her it was the reg and you know so it might not have been the same person every time it was someone else from the team and that kind of was just frustrating so then that was the weekend I was talking about and then it came to the Monday and they had seen me only on the Friday and they had said right we're going to see you again on Monday so I came in on the Monday but it was it was a locum doctor I don't know who it was or who she was I'd never seen her before and it looked at the clinic was closed and on the way in I said to Jonathan geez these are really like much stronger than I you know I've had before and by the time you know the doctor had called me in. I was on the edge of the seat, like with kind of gripping pain, like a really strong period pain. It wasn't like, you know, I knew it wasn't contraction, contractions. And I went in and she used to just ask me, how was I? And I explained the whole situation again. And then she did another sweep just to, and she goes, yeah, you're definitely a labor now. So you're just going to have to just ride it out. And at this point, I was just absolutely delighted because all I wanted to do was get induced at that point. And obviously I didn't need to, which I was even more happy about. So... um we had travelled together, I went to Jonathan's work um, and then we travelled together to the hospital so we went back to his work so I could pick up my car and go home. So by the time I got to Talla where he works, I was bawling because so emotional and this was about to happen and I'm feeling all these feels and yes I was contracting, not majorly, so I felt I was fine to drive. So at that point my husband had a really important meeting down in Kilkenny the following day and things had kept coming and going so I can't I wasn't sure that this was definitely going to happen so he had to do this meeting so I just said I need to get my mum up from Galway so I rang my mom and I was crying down the phone to her and she's like okay okay I'll come up so I wanted my mum up that night I had always said to her I wanted to labor on my own with my husband and do it together as a couple oh yes yeah, so I rang my mom not knowing that my mom's car had broken down in Galway um she had a huge meeting with someone so she ended up having to race around Galway to find a rent a car company at 5 p.m to rent a car off them to drive to Dublin I had no idea of any of this because she did say to me oh I won't be up till about eight nine o'clock and I said fine so Jonathan you know envisaged a really long night ahead so he's like look I hope you don't mind but I'm gonna go off to bed right and uh, your mom will be here in half an hour I said fine because at this point I was still managing I was just bouncing on my ball doing my thing and um, of course she arrived and she got really emotional I suppose it's her baby girl and she yeah. saw me in pain and she couldn't take it away and like it was a lovely moment for us because I'd always wanted it just to me me and Jonathan but I'm I feel like privileged that she could have been there with me yeah. as well so it was lovely um so anyway I went to bed about half 10 and mum did as well and like I felt kind of fine took a or whatever and then at quarter past one I woke up with kind of like the shooting really strong pain in my back and I was like oh god this is so strange um I'm just gonna hang on here and say nothing to Jonathan so I hung on for about half an hour and I had about two of them so at around two o'clock I woke him and I said look this is I think this is happening so um my mom's still upstairs in bed she doesn't know what's going on so I went downstairs and around the hospital and the middle was like, yeah, first baby. I'd say you're probably going to just labor at home for a long time. So just stay there and chill out. And I said, right, do everything you can to stay comfortable. So I went and had a shower and then around half three, I said to Jonathan, look, I think you need to go back to bed just in case this doesn't happen. And you have that meeting, you're traveling to Kilkenny. I don't want you to fall asleep at the wheel. So um, went up to my mom and like my mom was so good. Like they were coming every eight minutes at this point and eight minutes to 12 minutes. So they were really sporadic. So we weren't really sure what was going on. So my mom there she just kind of talked to me between each one and then we were writing a list of people we needed to contact when the baby was born and you know just to kind of keeping my mind occupied and then they were just getting stronger all the time so the only way to for me at that time to deal with the, the pain was back pressure so counter pressure so she just kept pushing on my back and I was leaning against the windows and I was on all fours and it was just everything like um, and then I think she got a hot water bottle at one point and that was nice. So half five, Jonathan came up to us and I think from the second he walked into the room, he realised that Kilcanny was off. No chance. <laughs> Living in NASA, I suppose I had huge anxiety over the traffic because usually it can be like crazy going into the coom, like horrific. So I was afraid that I was going to have to be going in during rush hour. So I was like, just all I need now is just hold on till the traffic's gone. We uh labored was, and then half five. Then we made breakfast. I hung around the house. I laboured on and off. It was horrifically painful. Um all back labour. Something I did not expect. I'd never heard of before. I honestly didn't know like what was happening to be honest. Like I was kind of a little bit shocked by it. And um so then at around Jonathan gone up for a nap um at like one o'clock in the afternoon just to get a few minutes of shut eye before the kickoff. And not only like he literally hadn't been there at say ten minutes and I was upstairs because mum was like, Okay, they've they've ramped up. We're three minutes apart. And the nurse had said to me, Don't come in until you're about five minutes apart. And all of a sudden they jumped three and we freaked. We're like, oh my god. So ran around, got the bags and got into the hospital. And one of the things that was just hilarious was we were, I, I'm sure every woman is the same, but you have to go in and register. Like you're sitting there with a baby about to come out of you, and you have to sit on a chair and wait for your, your name to be called. So we got registered and we went up to the assessment clinic and stuck me up in the monitor in 20 minutes of, of whatever. And yeah, look, I was in labour and they just had to. Tell me that so, I think at that point I was only about two centimeters. Uh, I wasn't you know well dilated at all, but they put me on to I, I can't remember what ward it was, but I think it might have been an induction ward because most women weren't in active labor or not labor, or pre labor, whatever you'd call that stage, and I was there clawed at the walls (laughs) and it was the tiniest space like it was literally the size of the bed and then the curtain came to the edges so Jonathan was like oh you don't need those suitcases I said get me the suitcases I need my stuff and he was like but there's no room I was like I just need my suitcases and like it was almost like he, he was trying to rationalize what was going on he was like there is no room for it I was like I need it <laughs> so at this point he was like okay I'm not going to fight with her so he went off and got the suitcases um, I'd always been against the idea of pathogen I'd heard that it made you really ill and I don't take medication really well so I was really you know cautious of that but when you're in the moment and someone offers you something to take away the pain I said yes please so they gave me that and an anti-nausea thing and I thought it didn't really like affect me I thought okay I'm still having serious pain here Johnson told me I was doolally like at one point in a contraction came and I turned around and I tried to climb out the window behind me to escape the pain I literally was in so much pain and out of it that I st- all, all fours to the top of the banister of the bed and I literally was nearly at the window like I couldn't get out the window obviously but he's like okay da- down da- down <laughs> I don't think he'd ever seen me like that before so yeah. he was a bit shocked but um so I think and then one of the things as a first time mum, I, I suppose everyone's different, but I was so willing to please everybody. And would you mind if the student nurse does this as well? I said, Oh, you're not like not understanding that when the nurse does it first, then the student nurse does it twice. Oh, okay. Um, um, or the student nurse does it first and then can't get the right accurate reading. So the nurse does it to make sure that's the right and I just didn't understand all that. But you know, I just thought I'm too I'm a people pleaser, so I said, yeah, no problem. Look, everyone has to learn. and You know, I get that. Um, So the pethidine was starting to wear off and they offered it to me again because I wasn't at the right dilation to be brought to delivery. So I said, no, I don't want it because then I want you to check my dilation. And she was like, I don't think you're... And I said, I need you to check me. So she checked me and lo and behold, of course, I was the four centimetres. And they're like, okay, you're ready. You're, we'll have to find a spot. So I think I was an hour then pretty much without pain relief because um I didn't want the pethidine I wanted to get the epidural I wanted everything else and I suppose but I didn't want a second dose of it I'd be really sick on it yeah. so I just hung in there for the hour and that was a torturous hour I, I I remember like crying thinking I can't get out of my body I can't actually get away from this like it was actually the most overwhelming feeling and I was getting to the point where I didn't think I could cope anymore and um I was lucky that at that moment they said right the room's ready but I had to walk to the room and Jesus the amount of times I stopped in that corridor like oh nearly clawing the walls because I was falling down now when I arrived down to it I was absolutely delighted I got the room with the water birth room so it was gigantic I suppose it was wasted on me because I knew I wanted the epidural like I wanted it in and I was looking around and they had the pool and then they had these you know um, ropes from the roof you could hang out of I was like oh my god (laughs) um but I was very lucky look they rang the anaesthetist straight away and um I think it took about an hour from to come but at that point I was just on the gas and air and I felt like it wasn't doing anything for me but looking back I suppose I was kind of out of it and it was you know I don't remember being in as much pain okay but you know you're in the moment so you're trying to just cope with it anyway yeah. um the anesthetic getting that sorry the epidural getting that in horrific like I'm kind of scared of needles anyways and um they just found it kind of hard to to, to get it in I think but I think the average is about half an hour but I think I was about 45 minutes there Jonathan I think said it was probably the worst thing he'd ever seen as in it was the most it was the hardest thing for him to experience because he couldn't do anything Um, he literally I had to stay still and hold on to that pillow for dear life and then when she said you're going to feel a pop well as I felt a pop Like as it entered, obviously, whatever area it needed to be in. And then the electric shock down the legs. I just had to try and stay as still as I could. Boy, it was so worth it. Okay. Oh my God. From that point onwards, that was about half nine. It all kind of kicked in. It took 20 minutes for it to, to work. And then I can be honest, I couldn't feel anything. So um they handed me the pump and every time I felt any kind of sensation coming back, I click on it, and obviously it gives you a little extra dose. But what I think what happened, if I'm not wrong, is they had set the limit on the pump too high. So I was double pumping and I was I'm I'm talking my legs were like they I couldn't move them. Like I literally couldn't move them. So I was double pumping and I think one of the doctors came in the following morning, so I was on it for nearly At that point I was probably on it like it was probably eight, seven or eight hours at that point because I don't think I've seen a woman actually empty an epidural bag. We're putting a new bag in and I was like "Um." and then that's when they realized that I was obviously double pumping that the amount level hadn't been restricted to whatever it was meant to be obviously maybe it didn't have any medical issues with it but one of the things with the epidural um and obviously you sign a waiver and all this kind of one in 1000 and one in 10 like and it was only after like maybe a couple of weeks I had a numb patch on my left leg around my thigh and like like a huge patch like I'd say you're I don't know how big would you describe it as a bag of sugar that size kind of size and um yeah I kind of didn't think much about it and then I found the forums and I said one in such and such can have numbness in, in their leg and it was such a strange place so I had it for I'd say I had it for nearly a year oh. Um, and the doctor and my GP had said look it's one of those things that will probably go away Um, and luckily enough it felt like it was bruised then for, as it was healing if you touched off it, it felt like a bruise rather than and then it would go to like a pins and needles kind of thing maybe a couple of months later and now it's back to normal again. Yeah, it was just a funny experience. Oh, yeah, so I had the epidural, laboured through the night, and yeah, the next. Oh, one of the things actually, because it was all back labour, I had no contractions really to the front. So when they hooked me up to the monitor, the monitor couldn't track the contractions. The midwife was palpating me all night long. She'd sit for most of the night with her hand on my stomach, feeling the contractions. And because I was numb, I couldn't really feel them. So she was trying to feel the tightness and. Because they were pumping me, I think around midnight, they, they obviously uh gave me to try to speed it up. Is that the oxytocin or yeah, something they give you? Yeah, yeah. At midnight, so they gave me that, hoping that, because the epidural obviously slowed layer down. So they were, And they didn't really do much for me. But they didn't want to give me too much because they can overstimulate the uterus. Because of the fear of that, she had to literally sit with her hand on me for the whole night. Um luckily everything was fine and they're well trained and she knew exactly what she was doing and once again I had a student male doctor stand the poor fella Jay, he must have got the most boring birth <laughs> because for about eight hours hours of it, I was just in and out just kind of dozing and chatting and you know the poor fella was just there checking my temperature every hour I was like I'm sorry <laughs> someone else roaring down the hall if you want to go see her <laughs> um so yes yeah, so look, it came to like I think. I dilated then through the night and then around half five. I texted my mum and I was like, "I'm still here, <laughs> nothing's happening." Another hour, so they just wanted him to come down the canal a bit further. He was a big enough baby. Um, when he was coming down and they could start to see the head, they had said to me, "I can never get this n- right." Basically, his head was swollen, and like the 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 head he- the scalp was coming, but the skull wasn't. So like there was a a blood lump i don't okay. know why i thought it was called a cat or a nup cap or something but i think it's completely wrong but basically when he came out he had this massive i suppose you might have it if he had a vacuum brick but it, there was no instruments used he just whatever he came down through the canal there was a suction on him mm-hmm. um so they were kind of just trying to to get that sorted so he <laughs> he was eight thirteen. 13 so he was a big boy he was four kilos um and i was pushing for only half an hour you know, it was really good. The nurses were like, yeah, this is brilliant. Just go for it. And you know, you'd like think about all these moments. Like, you know, when you get married, you're, you're imagining yourself walking down the yeah. aisle and then you imagine when this baby arrives, they're going to just be placed on you and you're just going to feel ultimate love. <laughs> Harry, I love my son to bits. But when he came out, he shot out so fast. He just looked like a purple daddy long legs. <laughs> like with arms and legs coming at me. Like, And then obviously as you know, his color started to, to come around and he was a bit pinker and not as bluey, purpley looking, which something I did not know either that babies are born quite darkish. Yeah. Um, yeah, I started to settle obviously and then switch your cuddling and whatever, but I was completely exhausted at this point. Like I'd been laboring for three or four days. So I was so tired, but like they, they obviously I wanted to try and breastfeed. That was my, my plan. So obviously he, he was put on straight away and hoped that he latched and things like that. Um, and he seemed to be happy out. Um, but I was exhausted and I'd had a really bad tear as well. And once again, I agreed to all the student nurses or midwives or whoever it was that was there. I had like five people staring at me with my legs and stirrups. And Jonathan said it was like a bloodbath. There was just blood all over the floor. And um, yeah, I, I was really, really uncomfortable because I actually think... I was losing so much blood and that's why I was I was I actually felt myself nearly going in and out of consciousness and they kept asking me was I okay and I kept saying yeah because you think you're fine like you really do so anyway um and it's very good hindsight isn't it you just sit back a couple of months later and say Jesus that should not have happened so um Look, I got stitched up and um, Jonathan goes, are you okay? And I said, no, because I think I'm going to pass out. And I was holding the child and he goes, give me the child. So I gave him the child and I just, I had to close my eyes. Like I didn't know if I was passing out or I was falling asleep. I just couldn't have told you, to be honest. Um, Look, they sewed me up. I didn't say anything and... That was that. I had my baby, I had my tea and toast. It was the best meal of my life. You know yourself. I would have very large breasts, so I was very conscious of not being able to feed him properly. Um, because I just I wasn't able to manage. I just felt like they were too big and I felt like he was nearly suffocating. So I I was really in turmoil over that and I couldn't get him to latch on. I was really uncomfortable. Obviously, um you know, I was trying to feed him throughout the day, and Jonathan's there, so like you have the support. And then the minute they they leave, you're on your own for 12 mm-hmm. 14 15 hours, whatever it is, and it's tough. Like, and I remember there was a woman across from me; she just obviously had an emergency section, so she was puking everywhere because she wasn't prepared for it. Baby was screaming; she couldn't get to baby. Um, then another thing that happened to me during the night, and I have to say, the staff was scarce in the ground; couldn't find a nurse for love nor money. Pressed the bell and everything, and nobody came. I went to the toilet, and I'd left Harry beside the bed because I didn't know what else to do. Like, who else? to call there was no one there one man was at diagonal she was a foreign lady really nice and she'd been there two nights already and she said oh I'll look after him and I said oh thanks so I just went to the toilet and I came back and I was actually kind of worried I'd passed a really big clot something I didn't expect to happen and it was really really big and it almost looked like I don't want to be graphic but it looked like a piece of liver okay. um and I didn't know what to do with it in the toilet so I wrapped it up and put it through the toilet and flushed it came out and I spent nearly an hour trying to find a nurse like I obviously didn't want to go too far I didn't walk any further than two or three doors because my son was on his own I didn't want to leave him so I sat and waited and I asked that lady the foreign lady across the way and she goes oh it's okay to pass them so there's me googling at three o'clock in the morning absolutely exhausted frazzled that maybe um something's happening to me oh it's okay as long as it's no bigger than a golf ball or something I was reading so then I was frantic I was like how big was this thing like it was pretty big it was near enough a golf ball you know and then I eventually got a lovely midwife I think they were just totally understaffed and she was overwhelmed and she obviously just checked my stomach and she said it was fine you know if anything else happens again do not throw it away show it to the nurse or you know just wrap it up and keep it that's a good point actually because a lot of us would just flush it if anything never like that happens just you know keep it in a sanitary pad or in a tissue and just keep it um so look that happened um it was a tough night and then come the next day when my husband came in he pulled back the curtain and I just burst out crying I was totally overwhelmed I couldn't breastfeed so when we got to go home and he had the pediatric check turns out that Harry had a a a fairly bad tongue type which was probably obviously affecting the breastfeeding Um, and he wasn't getting enough, I suppose, colostrum or milk. I also wasn't producing very much at all. I have a thyroid issue, which I suppose may have led into the fact that I then couldn't produce much milk Um, and that was to follow. I found that out over the next couple of weeks when I was trying to pump and whatever else. So to release myself from the hospital, to get out, the nurses were only happy if I knew the baby was being fed. So at that point, I said, I've tried the breastfeeding. I feel like I'm having a mental breakdown here. I'm deciding that I'm going to rent a pump pump as much as I can and top them up with the formula. So that was my decision and then they let me go home and I couldn't have been happier. And you know what? I felt like a bit of a failure for the first couple of days. I really struggled with my self-battles. I couldn't keep up with the, the pumping. Um, Like it was relentless and then feeding. I was just so exhausted. Um, And like when I was pumping, there was not much coming or there was loads of on one side, nothing on the other. When I say loads, like we're talking 30 mils, like it's nothing at the beginning. But it was just too much so I just kind of said look I've given him I think it was about a week or two I'd given him of breast milk I said this is the best I can do for him I've given him all that I can right now and I think I'm just going to go with the formula because I need to look after myself and if I'm not well then I can't mind him so look it is what it is I went on to formula and I didn't look back yeah did you feel a massive relief then the relief actually felt, I felt in the hospital when I decided I was going to combine feed. And then, no, there was a lot of guilt. There was a lot of upset when I had decided, because I felt like the failure, it, I couldn't actually fulfill what I, I always wanted to do. And that was hard, you know. My mom kept saying, Stop beating you. My mom was around for a few days and she goes, Stop beating yourself up. I don't want to hear that. Cop on. Like, you know, you're, you've done an amazing job. You just had a child. You know, she was just trying to big me up. Like, don't forget what has just happened to your body. Like, mm-hmm. um, so look that was what I needed to hear um in that moment. Um but yeah look he was he was bottle fed and it actually in the long run worked out great because then I could share feeds with my husband we kind of took the night and shifts um and things like that so it worked out brilliant. Yeah. Um and now Harry is you know a very independent strong minded uh but a very shy child <laughs> if you believe it. Um no but look at and I have to say, even, like, I suppose there's a huge debate over breastfeed, bottle feed, the whole thing. And everyone has their opinion. And I suppose one of the things for me is if I decided to breastfeed, I always wanted him... I don't know if it was stupid or not, because I haven't done much um research on it. I wanted him to have the strongest immune system he could possibly have. I wanted to give him all the goodness. Um, And luckily, I have to say, like, he hasn't really been sick. I think he's been sick twice in his two and a half years. And, like, it's it's just been, like, viral or something. Um, So... I suppose when I came around to my next pregnancy, I wasn't so worried about the breastfeeding. Yeah. It kind of just made my decision a lot easier. So I suppose pre-baby, like I would have loved my nights out. I'd always go off with the girls, you know, kind of I'd be going off on little weekends with my mom. Um, yeah, and I look, obviously I just loved life. And when we had a baby, it was the decision I decided to make. And I suppose I, I, I'm from Galway originally. I married a Dublin man. We moved to Nace. Um, My work is still in Dublin. So a lot of my friends and things would either be Galway or Dublin. And I suppose when I moved to Nace, I had him pretty quick. So I didn't really know anybody. And I eventually found it quite isolating. Um. First baby, like you feel like you're trapped in the house, like. And now I have three; it's kind of ridiculous. But on the first child, obviously, you go through all these motions. But um, I just felt like I couldn't do much um with him, so I kind of decided. Right, I got to a certain point, and I I think it was like twelve weeks. I said, I'm joining water babies. I'm going to join a baby massage and try and get to know moms around the place. So I did water babies, and I loved it. It was it was brilliant. Um, made one really good friend out of it. Um you could try and have something every day, go to a coffee shop, do this. But I still felt so alone. They didn't feel like my friends, like that are my friends that I grew up with and know me well. Like, and I just, yeah, my mom's in Galway. Jonathan's mom and dad, obviously, are in Tala, but like, they live their own lives and work and whatever else. They couldn't come down every day. Um, and it was only, um, I suppose, maybe... It was only about a year after he was born that, you know, I think I realised that I struggled postnatally, mentally. Like, I remember, like, waking up one day and feeling really jealous that my husband was going to work. Like, I mean, like, my heart, my heart actually even hurts now thinking about the pain that I was feeling at that time. And not telling him, like, he didn't know. I didn't want him to feel guilty or feel the need to have to come home earlier, be with me because... Like you know, this is my job now. I'm this little man's mom, and like you know, he's been put on this earth to enrich our lives, and I have to help him grow. You know, um, and I just, yeah, I think he went to work one day, and I just cried, um, but I just felt like, is this this supposed to be normal? Like everyone obviously goes through all this, so I just battled on, and I got on with it, um, but I definitely, I definitely went into a hole slightly. But I'm one of those people, because I lived such a social butterfly life, that I would force myself to even go for a walk. I'd force myself to get to Aldi just to buy a liter of milk. And my mum always said to me, if you do one thing every day, yeah. it'll keep your mind busy. Even if it means emptying your fridge and cleaning it, that is a job. And I said, right, okay. Um, so that I've took that with me. So yeah, look, I definitely struggled on Harry, but I would have, I would have urged people like to be very aware of it. Like I thought I would be really aware of it going into it, but I just battled on it on my own. Um, By no means was it like, you know, was I at my wit's end or anything, yeah. but I definitely had signs that I was dealing with a postnatal depression type thing. Um and I'm okay to admit that now because I just knew I needed to be aware of it. And when I did mention it to my husband when we got pregnant on this uh on with the twins, he goes, I really need you to be honest. You know, yeah. I I can't cope with this if you don't mind yourself. And um I agreed with him and for his sake and for my children's sake I had to be really honest with everybody this time around.
3: So your pregnancy with the twins, um, did you plan on conceiving when you did with them?
2: So I suppose we had Harry in the May and funny enough, um, by, that was May and then I was pretty much ready a couple of months later, I wanted to try again and Jonathan just said, look, I just don't think it's the right time for us yet. And I agreed, I said, look, that's fine. So we went on about life and we had said, look, we'll try Christmas the following year. So Christmas 2019 we said we would start trying. Um but I don't know what came over me. I just we talked the Christmas 2018 and I said, look, I really do want to try um again. So we we kind of in the new year started trying again. I started using the ovulation sticks. Um I had used them on Harry, but obviously it worked pretty much straight away for Harry, so I was delighted. Um with the twins it took a couple of months. Um and yeah like once again, we were blessed. look, it wasn't a very hard journey in any respect. um, yeah, found out we were pregnant and then, um, we had a family wedding um in June, and um we actually were in New York and we had been trying around Easter time and uh, we went to New York then over the Easter holidays and I was like oh my god this is so strange but I said to Jonathan I feel really funny like I feel dizzy I was sweating profusely on holidays like and I was wearing next to nothing and his mom and dad were wearing raincoats and they were like okay there's something yeah she's like you know whatever um so we got home and I knew that I probably had to wait about a week before I could test and um I tested and yeah I was pregnant absolutely delighted so uh, I think it was about nine weeks then when the wedding was coming up and it was a family wedding and like I said social butterfly always one for the, for the glass champers. so I said it's not going to be unnoticed if I you know <laughs> try and avoid the drink or whatever so um, I said look let's just find out if we're definitely pregnant if there's a heartbeat if everything's fine so we went for a private scan and um, we took Harry with us. We we're like in and out. No, no problem. Just like Harry. um. They were really good. Actually, I'd highly recommend them. Ultra scan. Harry's sitting in the buggy, you know, mom, mom of the year, hands him a phone and puts on YouTube just to keep him quiet. And Jonathan's sitting there and she put the, the scan, the, what do you call it? Ultrasound scan or anything on my stomach. And she wasn't really looking at the screen. She was just kind of obviously just swiveling around with the, 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 gel gel yeah. and me and Jonathan looked at the screen and all of a sudden two big black circles and she pulled it away because she's obviously just and I just looked over at Jonathan and he goes huh and I suppose I don't know how he knew I, I like what would he have known what two circles yeah. meant like maybe he'd seen it somewhere I don't know and I don't know how I really knew but I suppose I would have read more about it than him you know on previous pregnancies and stuff I'd always <laughs> I love all those programs I'd watch everything um so then she put it back on and oh she says and I just looked at Jonathan and his head was in his hands and he was looking at the ground like he knew straight away and I think it was just pure and utter shock like what what (laughs) what (laughs) like I swear to god like Harry didn't have a clue what was going on he was engrossed in I don't know Humpty Dumpty or something that was on the phone and I literally was uh, shaken Like my hand was above my head to the right and I just remember my hand going like this. I just remember just seeing everything like I was just like what? And so how did you feel at that time? I shock. Fear. um, Anxiety. um, All these um, crazy feelings obviously then we're sitting there for 10 minutes obviously getting the heartbeats and you know oh yeah here's one and here's the other and this one's here and this one and there's and all this over my head didn't have a clue what the woman said only that they have two babies in there and they both have heartbeats so come out of there and we had driven separately once again because of work and things like that so we met there and we didn't want his family to know at that point so we kind of had to try and keep it on the down low Sorry, my mom and his mom knew we were pregnant at that point. Okay. but They they didn't know we were going for the scan. I don't think we went for the scan. Um, and then I was in the car with Harry on the way home, and Jonathan was in his car. So I rang my mom, and I was like, "Hi, ma'am and she's like, "Oh, hi." Um, and I didn't realize, but she was in a beautician's getting a pedicure done. <laughs> but I had to. I was I was about to explode, like yeah, you know. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh my God, you'll never guess!" I said, "There's twins," and she's like oh oh like my mom like she would scream the house down in excitement but her reaction was so underwhelming <laughs> but then when she finished her pedicure she went out in the street and she screamed so I knew um but uh yeah look I, I was on the phone to my mom and I was crying I was like I can't we can't afford this we need a bigger house we need a bigger car um like what, is there such a thing as a triple pram like you know all these crazy ideas uh like an hour after finding out so uh, I just uh, yeah and Jonathan's exact same he rang his mom and they had the same conversation in another car got home and we decided look uh of a Wednesday I used to I, I would always go to a Wednesday club which is a, a collection of friends who meet have tea have cake and talk lovely stuff that particular night was a, a 30th celebration for one of my friends so it was kind of a big deal and I didn't want to take away from that and um, they a couple of girls in the group knew I was pregnant and um, my really close friends so I had shared with them I was pregnant um and they'd known I was going for a scan so I turned up to the 30th or whatever and I kind of kept dumb. um and then we kind of had gotten over all the celebrations and they were sitting there and they were having their cucumber sandwiches or whatever they had designed up and I said can you stop Talking about cucumber sandwiches, I can't do this anymore. And one of the girls looked at me, and they're and I was like, I have something to tell you, lads. And they were like, Oh my god! I was like, I'm pregnant. And the friends that knew were smiling, like, Oh, it was great. I said, No, it's not just that; it's twins. And they all screamed, laugh, and then like, oh my god, I mean, I burst out bawling, crying. <laughs> and I'm not even joking. I sobbed for about half an hour and I was like, I'm so sorry, it's your birthday. <laughs> and they were and I uh, one of my friends' midwife sitting at the table and she's like, Oh my god, this is amazing. And I just like, How is this amazing? Like, you know. So Is there any in your family you either side? Um my dad my dad's uh brother and sister are twins. Okay. Uh Jonathan's cousins are twins. Um apparently my granny's mother had twins i think that died of birth okay. so it's kind of along the lines but i think I, I i actually think it might have just been um fluke in a sense because like it's two separate eggs um completely different sex. so i think it was just different factors i don't know if it was really you know kind of hereditary or whatever um so yeah look i told the girls and i then at that point i said right i need to just get it off my chest so i text everybody that night. Told them I, I contacted my cousin who's getting married and said, look, do you mind if I tell everyone because they're gonna be over like wasps on Sun on Saturday? She's like, absolutely just tell them. So I told them and then we got it out in the open. I felt like it started becoming real then. Yeah. It was brilliant. Uh and it was kind of exciting then at that point. I kinda gotten over the shock and I was like, okay, maybe this is a good thing, you know? <laughs> um so um yeah look at it over the next couple of weeks I just felt normal, like I kind of had the normal nausea. Um same things again, just yeah normal pregnancy things like you know aches and pains and whatever same as on Harry like I was starting to feel a bit achy and stuff um and uh obviously being a primary school teacher I was on my feet a lot and I was teaching in a class that year so I was uh really feeling it um tired wise the tiredness was overwhelming on the twins like from the get-go like I would have to nap twice a day like just to get through the day Like it was really tough, um, and I I literally would be vomiting, not vomiting, but like feeling so nauseous that I'd vomit with tiredness. It was so bad, so, um, my appetite went way down. I could barely stomach anything. Um, there was no harm in that, really. Like you know what I mean. But um, I just kind of ate what I needed to eat. Um, I wasn't too precious about it. Like I just whatever I could stomach, I took. Um. And someone had said to me that on a multiple birth, like twins, I think, I don't know, triplets and whatever, it could be more, but um, I...
1: Selling a little or a lot? (coughs) Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring.
2: was you could measure about eight weeks ahead so you could be 20 weeks and have a nice little roundy bump but you're actually measuring at 28 weeks so you're much bigger so if I stood beside a friend who was 20 weeks and I was the same I'd be much bigger because I'd look 28 because I'm carrying two and I suppose I didn't allow myself to understand that or process it and I expected the same of my body as I expected on Harry where I worked right up until I had Harry so I was like to the doctor how long do you think people work up until when they're having twins they're like oh about 30 weeks and then they they cut their losses like it's a bit much like and it's like not at all sure, jesus i was there until the, near the last day or whatever and um no a uh, totally different story like i started slowing down very quickly i started ballooning really fast Um, the pressure was unbelievable the heartburn was unbelievable um around uh, 25 weeks 25 weeks I only I keep a diary so I was only reading through the last day I was starting I actually felt flutters really early on the twins about 11 12 weeks they say on your second babies and multiples you can feel it quite early so when I went in for my 12-week scan I'd said oh I feel tiny little flutters and I knew what they were and they're like oh that's brilliant so I kind of been feeling little twinges all the way up and then around um 22 weeks I was feeling definite movements and you could differentiate from both sides so like the girl uh, baby was on my left and the boy was on the right so it was almost like there was a line down the middle so it was very easy to differentiate who was moving and who wasn't so baby boy moved a huge amount all the time like he'd be poking around the place and then I just said to Jonathan like the stress and anxiety I just don't feel her moving I did the ice water test I did you know all these different things and she just there was nothing happening so I went to the GP with reduced movement and you know, the GP was lovely and stuff, um, but she just said, I, I don't really have the equipment to deal with multiples. Like, I can check for a heartbeat, but I could be hearing the same heartbeat twice. Yeah. So um of course I really panicked um she heard a heartbeat but she couldn't find a second one because she couldn't differentiate so um I had to pack up and go into the womb and I had to go on my own because we would no one to find Harry's that was really tough and I rang my mum on the way in and I just cried my mum was at home lighting candles um you know it was just a really scary time yeah. and I don't think I really connected with the pregnancy and the babies until that point when I realized what I could have lost okay. Uh, it was yeah because I had Harry I think everyone on a second pregnancy they'll and they have a young child they'll say you're just doing it like you don't even think about what size vegetable or like whatever it is anymore you just get on with your life um and like I was 20 weeks before I knew it um and at 24 weeks I suppose with the movements and stuff I had only started to grow a little bond and we'd found out at that point that it was a girl and a boy we had found out the sexes so that made it even more real Went in anyways and uh, it was everything ended up being fine but it was one of the toughest couple of hours I, I you know I'd been through and it was just that my placenta was to the front I think that's anterior I think so basically she was face backwards and the placenta, placenta was the front so you couldn't feel anything at all so that's what had happened. Um But she said to me, look, anytime you feel any way strange, you need to come in. You know, Um, obviously you're a high risk pregnancy by being multiples anyways. Um, But like you don't want to be a burden on anyone. And I suppose everyone probably or not everyone. I'm sure most people feel that way. I don't want to feel stupid going in. Nothing's wrong again. Going in like three or four times. I remember on Harry, I was in twice uh, with what I thought was reduced movements as well. So like you just have to go with your gut because, you know, that's the only way to find out.
3: And were you given additional checks because you were expecting multiples?
2: yeah absolutely so um it's hard to remember now but I'd seen the GP for a little bit and then she said look I just don't think I'm the right person to care uh, to be able to offer the care because I don't have the equipment and I said fine um so I wanted the combined care like I'd had with with Harry but I said look it's better off that I just go to the coom and and get seen to and get everything done properly you know because they have everything they need so um this time we went public with the twins because we felt um Semi-private was grand, but we didn't gain too much from it, so we decided we'd go public. And then when we found out we were twins, I'm not even joking, I could have been a private patient the care that we received was next to nothing it was amazing actually uh it was a private it wasn't private it was a multiple birth clinic it was run every Monday so you're missing all the crowds it's only multiple mammies there was never any problems with parking you're not queuing to be get your blood pressure and your urine tested like everything is just in and out it was brilliant and because it's only one team you have your consultant and then their registrars working underneath them so I also the consultant or one or two so I only saw like maybe two or three different people but they would always consult with the consultant okay. because it's high risk I suppose they have to make sure that they're happy the consultant's happy um, and ultimately that consultant is going to do your section or your delivery if anything goes wrong I suppose yeah. um so look um we were treated brilliantly um so yeah so uh, we would have got scanned every time we were in
3: so can you remember how often then you would have went in for scans and checks
2: it's hard to remember now, but like uh, obviously we got our twenty-three week scan. That was in the scanning unit. That was oh my god! I didn't expect it, but that took an hour and a half. Um, that was that was tough actually because I was quite big at the time, um, size wise. Like I was well pretty much if I was what twenty-three weeks and then add on another eight, so like I was pretty big. You can imagine, and I was laying there for an hour and a half. And they thought they found something wrong with Sam's bladder and took a while to figure out that they didn't. And they couldn't find, they couldn't see the hearts clearly enough because they were too small. So we'd come back three weeks later and I had to do it all again with the hearts. So look, it was a long process. The The, the appointments were long when it came to scans and stuff. But the regular appointments in with the regid and whatever were grand. Um, I think that was 23. Then I think it went down to once a month. Then it went to once every two weeks and then it went down to once a week and then at the end i think i was not sure i didn't even get to the end sorry we'll get to that but yeah um yeah so i think i'd gotten down to near weekly at that point okay um so you did you got seen to a lot and then obviously in between you get your blood tests done you have your diabetes test i had my um pre-anesthetic test um did i have anything else done
3: did you suffer with your pelvis again
2: um, yes I did um uh slightly different with Harry's I suppose um I kind of managed it a bit better on the twins because I knew the ticks the the tricks and whatever to try and minimize the pain but it's, it definitely it was still there like and um I suppose just getting in and out of bed once you're settled in a position and you even move you've got two bodies essentially having to resettle in your pelvis and your your abdomen every time you move so I found that really tough like just the resettling of everything every time you moved that was really uncomfortable going to the toilet a zillion times a night was like the hardest thing ever the pain of just moving and then you go to the toilet and you'd probably pee about 10 mils and you'd nearly want to cry um and even if you'd like felt like you'd held your pee, and you went to the toilet, and you might only pee thirty mils, and then the like it's almost if like your bladder like contracted and the pain of it, because you'd held it for so long, and all of a sudden it just emptied. But then something the the baby's resettled on your bladder, and oh Jesus, I just even the thought of it now was tough. Like. I think in the last couple of weeks I couldn't at this point I was still working I wanted to get to 30 weeks I wanted to get to Halloween I got to that point now my principal was amazing like you know he put me in in a position where I could take it kind of fairly handy and I did very light duties in the last couple of weeks Um, so I did the best I could and he was really understanding so I got to the thirty weeks. Um, and then I decided that last month I was really lucky my mother in law took Harry a couple of days a week just to give me a break to try and rest and recuperate and get my 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 stuff together like yeah. Um, and my mom was coming up as well every now and again just to give me a hand with Harry when I had him because I, it came to the point I was around 33 weeks and I wasn't even able to really mind him like I couldn't get off the couch without severe pain like we're talking an 18 month old here like he's only walking four months so he's you know not the sturdiest he wants everything um he wants to be played with you wants to do on, on the ground with you or you down on the ground with him near on impossible for someone who's that heavily pregnant um, so my mom was great as well so she came up and she'd do all the, the, the floors duties with him and mind him and stuff it was brilliant um so yeah couldn't couldn't sleep couldn't sit couldn't lie the uncomfortableness was next level and I'd cry most days uh just wanting it to be all over um
3: and did you have a plan with your team like how you discussed how the babies are going
2: to be delivered um uh, my babies were always both head down so they said to me as long as baby a which is the baby closest to the exit I'll call it is head down they'll let you go for a natural breath and because harry was a natural birth, they said we'd be inclined to urge you to go with that and even if the second baby is twisted they can try and do a manual turn once the first baby's out if they don't spin themselves so uh i said look i would much rather a natural breath just to, to try it look i'm not against a section if it has to happen it'll happen and towards the end i nearly begged them for a section i wanted these babies out i just want them out of my body um so yeah uh we didn't really have a plan they they kind of at the point where i was at didn't make a plan i was still a bit too far out around 36 weeks i think they would probably say to us right they kind of gave me dates i was due like the very i think the 3rd of january or then it moved to new year's eve i was due and they said to me you're going to have your babies by the 17th of december because with twins they don't let you go past 38 weeks generally so they'll they'll induce you at that point because it's too unsafe i think the placenta becomes um uh, a little bit less effective or something with twins so i knew they were going to be here before christmas um so i was gearing up for for that and then my mum just happened to come up uh it was the day christmas fm started so she came up on the 28th of november and she'd come up a thursday friday and give me a hand normally so she'd come up and she's like how are you i said i'm not great today i feel really heavy i said i can barely move i feel a bit down in the dumps i just feel weird i feel a bit sick and stuff and I just thought this is just kind of normal because I've been feeling like this for, you know, about a week or two now. Um, and so she said, I said, look, um, I have a few things to do. And she goes, right, hop in the car. We'll put Harry in the back. You just stay in the car and I'll go in and out of all the shops with Harry and do the jobs. So she did the butcher. She did the post office. And then we got to Aldi. Um, and I think I was in the car for about an hour and a half. So by the time I got out, I was really feeling tight and, and irritated and whatever. Um, but that was that. look. The evening came Jonathan came home from work and we were getting Harry ready for bed and I was kind of standing beside the cot and you know we were just changing him into his jammies And I said look I have to sit down and he was like oh okay like go on sit down and I'll do it like you know um and he goes you're right and I said no I just don't feel right I kind of feel like pain's coming and going and these just came out of nowhere like I mean nowhere and once again it was the, the instant I felt it I knew it it was back labor again uh, and I knew it wasn't just a strong cramp it was it was the real deal so I was downstairs, mum was downstairs cooking the chicken stir fry and I was like oh yeah Grant now at this point I was living on my purple ball it was the only thing that kept me sane and so she handed me the chicken stir fry and there's me, every every couple of mouthfuls I'd stop and bounce again and then every three minutes or four minutes I realised I was putting my plate down because I was concentrating on the pain and mum was like "You yeah, alright and I was like I really don't know, like I don't so I finished the dinner, you know I love my food so I wasn't going to pass that up <laughs> Uh, especially a mammy dinner and um, Jonathan's out in the kitchen doing whatever and mum's here we're watching EastEnders and I couldn't tell you what was going on because all I could feel was pain and I was like mom I think there's something happening here like so she goes Michelle I think we need to track this you know Um. so Jonathan has no idea what's going on he's out in the kitchen eating
3: dinner so how did you feel
2: when you realized
3: this was it the twins were on the way and that you were actually in labour I
2: love labour I love, I feel like it's so empowering as a woman to be able to bring life into the world. And like, it sounds so like crazy to say that, but no, I I really, I I was dying for the day of labor. Like, you know, um, I think it's because I had such positive labor on Harry. It, the pain was manageable for me because I took the epidural. Um, I didn't have any, you know, major trauma or anything like that. So it was my experience was positive. And I suppose it helped lead into the twins' um birth as well. I was... I was going in with a positive attitude um and hoping that you know, it would be like Harry's. Um so we tracked it, and of course they were literally three minutes apart and I literally jumped off the couch. Now I wasn't able to move for three months, but I jumped <laughs> off that couch and I ran out to Jonathan. I was like, Jonathan, oh my god, it's actually happening. And then um we rang the nurse and uh, the midwife and she was like, Okay, multiples, second, third baby, uh you live in NACE, uh your the went, I think you should get a bag packed. I was like, I'm packed. She goes, okay you need to get in here now and I was like "I'm <laughs> freaking out so I went upstairs and I, I don't know what I do my bags packed since 30 weeks
3: so sorry how far got me at this stage
2: at this point I was 35 and two so way earlier than I ever expected mm. Um, kind of in shock and I remember just uh, so lucky that my mom was up that day maybe my, my body just realized yeah. I can let go now my mom is here she can mind Harry because my fear was always that I'd end up having to pawn Harry off on someone because Jonathan's family are half an hour away and like I don't think I could have waited a half an hour really Mm -hmm. looking at now so I suppose maybe my body and my mind knew that there was someone there to mind Harry and I was comfortable so um, look um, yeah I remember turning around and mum was standing at the door and she goes I'll see you when you have two more babies And I, I just bawled. I got in the car and Jonathan goes, are you okay? And I was like, I don't know. Oh. Um, And yeah, my journey into the hospital with Harry was pretty horrific because I literally, the pain of the contractions, I was just holding on to the, the bar like uh, above my head. Whereas with these, it was manageable. Like it was nowhere near as painful because we had gotten so, you know onto the midwife so quickly um so it was just like a really bad period cramps at this point so got in and went to the assessment clinic and I suppose like I said we got treated like royalty because they're multiples maybe it's just what they do just to be on the ball and they saw me pretty quickly and they they said that yes you're in labor and you're like you know you're already three or four centimeters um so they gave me the steroid shots for the lungs because they were still obviously young um and I, I make big babies so luckily enough they were you know weighing in pretty good on the scan so uh, I was brought straight to the delivery suite which was brilliant there was no hanging around um I think I was about an hour on the gas and air and once again the anesthetic was in the sorry the epidural was in uh not as traumatic as the first time but they did find it difficult to get it. actually jeepers oh my god they were trying to find a line uh, like a blood uh, vein to put the cannula in and I think there must have been three or four different types of personnel that tried to get it in and they couldn't. They clamped my arm so hard that I had a bruise for two months afterwards. It was black and blue. Like they, I think they stabbed me six times to try and find a line and eventually the anaesthetist got a line in um, in one, a really awkward position. I can't remember where it was now. I think it was right on the top of my arm here. It was really strange. Um... um because they couldn't do the epidural until they could get the line in for the fluids because okay. they needed to get antibiotics and everything else in. So anyway, they got it eventually, but that was traumatic. Jesus, I hate needles and getting stabbed yeah. and getting like, <laughs> basically my arms were strangled trying to get the, the veins, but look, I knew it all had to be done for you know for the better and the good of everything. So got those in, got the epidural in. They couldn't get the epidural in that easily, so I, I felt a little bit butchered, to be honest, but like I said, I would have done anything just to get rid of the pain. Um. So once I was in, it was a waiting game. We had a beautiful midwife. I, I'm pretty sure her name was Neve. uh, She was such a lovely girl. We had such good chats throughout the whole night. This girl just seemed on the same level, you know. And she was talking about her family. And the day we'd had the twins was the night of the, the Late Late Toy Show. And she was telling me her traditions of whatever, going to her family and all the cousins play games. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so jealous. And, you know, um, it was just a lovely experience. I'll remember her forever. Um, So yeah it was sad she really really wanted to meet the twins um but my labor went through the night and I think she was changing shift around half seven and she had stuff to do she's like I'll wait as long as I can I'll get all my paperwork done and see if they come out by then but they didn't so the, the shift changed and two other ladies came on and they were lovely and they kind of just checked me and said right I think it's time to go now we're, we're gonna go for it um now, they had explained to me and in all my antenatal classes and stuff, they'd said to me, if you're having multiples, you'd expect a lot of people in the room. Like if you're delivering a single baby, you might just have the midwife and maybe one or two. Other, I don't know. I can't remember now. Um. And Jonathan said all of a sudden he looked up and there must be between 12 and 15 people in the room. Yeah, it was a lot. Um. And it was crowded. And the sink was overflowing all over the floor. <laughs> Something had happened to the sink. So they were mopping the floor. They were throwing towels down. I think they had pediatric... Um pediatric um doctors had, yeah, one it's for it's each so of the babies it, yeah. they had all the incubators um then they had anesthetists they had consultants then they had a uh, I think they had a student midwife then we had my two midwives obviously one for each baby or something um there was just so many people but I had been warned about that and I was okay with it yeah so look it came to the pushing and they were significantly smaller than harry harry was 813 uh sophie was baby a so she came out first and she was three, i think or two six two or three so not massively smaller but she was big for a twin but she yeah she was much smaller than Harry so let's just say it wasn't that hard to get her out so once again a half an hour pushing and she came out um and they took her straight away over to the the pediatric doctor and they gave her the okay I don't actually remember the next half an hour essentially um I, I said to Jonathan I don't think I even asked you was she okay I forgot that I'd given birth to a child like I was so focused on the next one because I knew the next one was the problem Um and they always say the second one is going to be the trickiest and I was so scared like so scared, um so Jonathan was holding Sophie and I didn't even know if she was fine or not I just couldn't focus on it so basically once the first baby's out the fear is that second baby will flip and become breech or you know they'll have to do a manual extraction where they put the hand in and take it out if it's not facing the right way and all these fears were like ah because they've been head down since since forever so they just get the scanner on your tummy and luckily little Sam my little boy boy stayed where he was and um, yeah he was only 5'10 so he was smaller again so he kept his head down and 20 minutes later then I pushed him out so I just yeah, had to actually yeah. do nothing for a while they just let him his head engage itself it was quite That's amazing, amazing yeah it? like yeah like I was just like do you have to start pushing down or something and they were like no he'll just start making his way down he's all this space now he's probably stretching his arms and legs so yeah he came out and they took him away pretty sharpish as well to check on him and they were both healthy both breeding really well um they were super happy with them and all of a sudden these 15 people went down to like three and I was like oh my god everything's fine I've actually done this and they're okay and they'd handed Sam to me because Sophie was with Jonathan um so I didn't actually get skin to skin with her straight away um but I think I had Sam in my arms for about 40 minutes before they handed Sophie to me because I was trying to feed Sam a bottle I decided at this point it was breast it was bottle feeding all the way especially with twins I couldn't have coped um with that stress so I just said no straight on the bottle I'm totally happy with my decision so I was feeding Sam and Jonathan was feeding Sophie, and then they just put the both of them up in me, and I was like, "Oh my god!" But I was like, "How am I supposed to feed two bottles, two babies, and hold? Like this, this was so alien to me." Um, so um, I was holding on to the babies for about an hour after that, and then I just said, to "Jonathan, look, I'm really tired. I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm just so exhausted." So, the nurses push one of them I think into a cot and then Jonathan held the other one and then once um, I think I was stitched up and whatever else and all that jazz pretty sharpish it wasn't as bad as on Harry's and yeah it was grand got my tea and toast ate Jonathan's too and (laughs) (laughs) um, it's the least you could have done for me and (laughs) no um, and then it was kind of they just transferred us because obviously the rooms were in demand so much so they just threw us into a holding room across the way I think and at that point I felt uh weird I was like lying in the bed because I was my epidural was still in effect I couldn't really essentially move um I had to shimmy onto this new bed and then I just looked over and the twins were in the same cot and I was like these are my babies. Like you, you can't seem to connect from what's just happened to these babies. It's very difficult. Um. So uh, we were sitting there for ages, and I was like, I think they've forgotten us. Like it was just, it just felt like we were in a waiting room. <laughs> it was weird. Um. But I suppose they were trying to find a space. And then what we found out, um, was I ended up getting moved to a prenatal ward where women were waiting to have babies because there was no space anywhere else. So there's me rocking in with my two babies, and everyone else puffing and panting, like you know, um, kind of in the throes of induction or whatever is happening to them. God bless them so um they uh were checking their blood sugars constantly sam was taken away to the special baby care unit just for a couple of hours because his blood sugars were a bit unstable sophie was grand but they did have to get the heel the the blood sugar test every couple of hours and that was kind of awful i could hear them scream and they take them away and bring them back um so right before they were fed they'd get their blood sugars checked and then you'd feed them now this is uh in hindsight again it's wonderful um i had babies at 35 weeks twins fairly healthy weights um and you know for all intense purposes, like I thought they were grand but looking back I 100% think I should not have been given those two babies to manage by myself the babies were not very capable of of sucking at all it was taking me up to an hour to get 15 10-15 mils into each one so like I was feeding for an hour and then stopping and feeding again for another hour with the second baby I'd get maybe half an hour break maybe maybe an hour if I was super lucky but between nappy changes and going to the toilet and getting something to eat there was no break and I'm back again because it's on the third hour it was intense and the babies weren't drinking and they were bringing up mucus and phlegm and I was freaking out I was like I can't actually even cope with this so they were born in the morning Jonathan was with me for most that day um, my mom came in that night just to meet them briefly, and then I got actually moved to the the normal ward. Um, when she was with me, um, and I was lucky because twins they they kind of give you a little bit of extra space because you've got two cots. So say, do it's, it
3: give you a room or no?
2: Or so normally it's six to a ward. Yeah. So this time it was five to a ward, and there was you know they just take out the middle bed, um, and it's where they store all the, the special incubators. But I just I I stuck the cots out and I bring I brought the curtains right around, so I took up a huge chunk of the room. So my mom was in, then she went home and then I had the first night and I was only just saying to Jonathan, like uh, my first night and my only night in the hospital with Harry was quite traumatic and I found it really difficult and emotionally draining and whatever else. And I'd been in labor for a long time before that, whereas with the twins, it happened so quick, the labor, and it was only over one night. So the next day was grand and I'd had a bit of rest and then. Um, it was. I was running on adrenaline that first night with the twins. Um. So I was. I was capable of doing the feeds, and I felt great. And I had lined up my celebrity, get me out of here, and my phone, and my EastEnders, and my earpods, and whatever. And I earpods, uh, and I was just like, right. I'm just going to get stuck in and just feed them and do my thing and whatever not even thinking about sleeping because there was no chance of sleeping with these two there just wasn't I just had to accept it and I said the next day Jonathan comes in I'm going to have a little nap but sure Jonathan comes in and he's cooing and can and I don't want to miss any of that because it's his babies and I just love watching them together and you know I'm a nosy yoke I love watching everything going on so I just I didn't want to miss out on anything and so um yeah, so then I had Harry coming in to meet them and I was living for that moment, like sure jeepers Harry didn't want to know them, like <laughs> but my mum was a dope, like she'd made a little card and put his handprint on it, and I'm oh. your big brother. Look, and Jeepers, the emotions and hormones would you stop. And he was dressed up in his Christmas jumper and his boots. And he looked <laughs> cute, but like, you know. Um and then I just said to Jonathan, Jonathan went home with them then, uh, or he went outside for a couple of hours or whatever he did, but mom took Harry home. And um I think my body just said I can't do this I can't do it anymore I've been running on empty for the last couple of days and I've had no sleep so uh, I think Jonathan went around oh god it must have been four o'clock and he was back around six and he just looked at me I was white I was about to fall down I had two really tough hours with the kids they wouldn't feed they were both screaming um there was next to no help really and there was like a, a care attendant that helped every now and again um I found it really difficult so I I actually think I had a break I had a breakdown I didn't think I I actually had a breakdown that night um his uh, mom and sister were due to come in and meet the babies for the first time and um or his sister was due to come in and see the babies for the first time and I had had a breakdown before I, I was I couldn't control my sobbing um And I remember laying in the bed and I pulled the curtain around and Jonathan was sitting in the empty compartment in the, in the, in the ward with the babies. And I just remember sobbing into a tissue uncontrollably thinking, I can't do this, my life, I can't do this, I can't do this anymore. This, I I can't, I can't do my life, this is it. And like, it was the first time ever I felt such final feelings. I was like, this is ridiculous, how irrational, Michelle, like, you know, you just had two gorgeous babies. Um. I couldn't snap out of it so Jonathan thought I was sleeping but I was actually bawling behind the curtains for about half an hour I heard his mom and sister arrive and he just said I think we just need to give her some space so they actually the nurses were lovely they let them go into the I think it was the feeding room or some sort of room with loads of stuff in it and they brought the babies in there for about an hour and I think I might have dozed off for about 20 minutes the best 20 minutes because I woke up a new person I had a shower and it was it was kicking out time so i really wanted to get back to see them for at least 10 minutes before they were kicked out and just tell them i was okay um so i look i got through the night um, but what I didn't realize was Jonathan had spoken to the midwives in the meantime and basically expressed that I, I, I wasn't coping. Like, I cannot physically and mentally do this on my own with these two babies that can't drink and can't feed. We didn't say that at the time because we didn't think that's what it was. But like, I was getting no help. They weren't allowing anybody stay any few minutes longer or anything like that. And we're talking about two premature babies that should have been in special care like I 100% think they should have been brought up for feeding or something because I wasn't in any state to mind them um so anyway that was that um I got through the night knowing that I would do my very best to get home the next day so the feeding was in place um the babies were healthy to go um they signed off and everything but I felt so underwhelmed when I got home I felt so sad I felt so trapped I felt like camp, but there was no happiness. It was really sad. I couldn't believe it. Like I just, I, I think I was in, it was the hormones, a hundred percent. We're talking day two or three. Like they're really starting to kick in now. I said to Jonathan, the one mistake we made is I was uh, released on a Sunday midday and I never picked up my meds. Uh, and no one ever thought and I didn't think of picking up my prescriptions that day so I went the whole day night until the next day around lunchtime without my medication and I remember waking up on the Monday morning Jonathan was in changing Harry and I woke up and I felt like I'd been hit by a bus I'd never felt so sore in my life like my stomach my back my arms my legs I felt like I'd run a marathon and been hit by a bus at the same time I couldn't and the, like my stomach I don't know if anyone feel, you know can resonate with this feeling it's almost like your organs have turned to jelly and they're trying to find their way back into your abdomen where they're meant to be and I I remember on Harry the most disgusting feeling I hate it everything's so flabby and loose and then your organs are essentially trying to move from your chest cavity back down in. Like, it's horrific. I remember. And then obviously with, you know, the rawness of your stomach and your uterus and, oh, it was just terrible. Um, But I only when Jonathan had gone off somewhere for a half an hour and I said to my mom, oh, my God, I think I need. I need medication like I haven't taken anything so she raced down she's like oh my god I thought you got it of the hospital kind of thing I said no so she raced down and within the evening then I started to perk up because the pain meds were taking control so it's something I'd urge people massively do not forget your prescription the day you get out um because that was a big mistake on my side because I felt so down the next day and in so much pain but um things slowly got easier my mom went home the following day then we were left on our own that was a huge hurdle I felt really kind of like how do we do this um and my husband's self-employed so you know he works with his family and it's kind of you know it's not like oh you get your two weeks paternity leave or whatever it is you know it, it doesn't really work like that in a family business so um he was with me for as much as I needed and he'd take all the time off that I wanted um but I was always conscious that I want to get up and running and I want to get back to myself and I want to start being normal so Harry would go to granny and like she'd give us the help by minding him and we'd stay at home with the twins and try and get used to life with them and um, obviously once again feeding was really difficult we were buying the tiny bottles from the coom and we were flying through them because they were only drinking what 15 20 mils and there's only 70 in it so and we couldn't cross-contaminate teeth so they had to have a bottle each, and we were wasting so much milk, and it was just so stressful. I remember Jonathan driving into the Coombe one day and buying another three boxes at thirty quid a bottle, nearly a uh, thirty quid a box. The the routine of twins is relentless. We didn't know how we were going to do it. My mom went, uh, so they were born the end of November. She went home. Uh, the when I got home from hospital the day after so we were on our own for about a week I think and then she came back the following week and it was actually I was petrified of her leaving but it was probably a good thing we we kind of found our stride for a little yeah. bit um our twins lived in the sitting room for the first month of their lives my mom moved in every week from Monday to Friday uh or Tuesday to Friday whatever it was um uh because my husband had to work so we was, we'd we split the night. So we'd take three hours each. So it was nine to 12, 12 to three and three to six. Um, My mom always did nine to 12 because she's a bit of a night bird. Um, so we always, you know, would let her just stay up and watch telly. And in those three hours, you're always going to be feeding, burping, changing, feeding, burping, changing. So there's no real break, you know, and we were doing them alternately. So you're not doing them together at the same time. So, you know, uh, they were still so young, you had to hold them. And like I said, you're trying to force milk into them and you know
3: and did you find that you could actually sleep when, when you were off duty
2: I was so exhausted you had no choice but to okay yeah Um. then I would normally and you know my husband would normally do the 12 to 3 because he would then at least get sleep before and then he'd sleep just before work as well because okay. he was tired obviously from work then he'd work he'd do the middle of the shift and then he'd sleep a bit before going back to work again so he'd do the 12 to 3 so it was always in the sitting room so we just like yeah the Christmas lights were on 24-7 for that whole month but they they were regurgitating a lot and like you could be feeding one and then once puking all over the cot and then you're like freaking out because they're choking and oh stop so they were on Gaviscon infant quite early on just to stop all the regurgitation and reflux and all that um and that helped massively so then I'd do the three to six and then I'd pretty much be up from three o'clock every day and then um like I'd do the day and Harry's there or whatever he's not I don't know how it worked um but if I was exhausted like I'd go back for a little nap or my mom would I'd let say to my mom oh you sleep on for an extra hour so she'd sleep from 12 through to 7 so she'll get a good so I suppose in a way I suppose I was probably getting quite a little sleep um and I was managing though I think your body just acclimatizes and get used gets used to it doesn't it like um so yeah And then at the weekends, we then eventually, (laughs) Jonathan's haunted by the Christmas lights because that's all it reminds him of. And he's just so excited for Christmas this year because he just wants, he wants to feel so different to what he felt last Christmas. You know, um, it it was a real struggle for both of us once the babies arrived, but I think in particular for him, he found it really, really tiring trying to work full time, trying to manage uh, work and life at the same time. And then obviously getting really little sleep, um, trying to keep everyone happy you know and he's obviously trying to be the backbone for the family and it's tough like so um they were premature um by what five weeks and what I suppose you don't realize then is they're not going to reach those milestones um that they reach that they're meant to reach at six weeks they smile at such and such you know all this we were putting in 12 weeks like three months of hard graft and then we got the smile So like you know, we felt a little bit hard done by, and Jonathan didn't didn't actually know that they don't reach the milestones from when they're born; it's from their birth from their due date. So that was a real struggle. Um, I think for him, uh he didn't understand that. He was like, "Don't be silly. Of course they're going to smile." It's like you're still doing everything you need to do. You know, blah blah blah. And I said, "I don't think it works like that." And eventually, you know, on top of the tiredness, and you're putting so much into these babies and getting very little back. Um, it was tiring and tough over Christmas um definitely so I think this Christmas is going to be a real reward they're they're beautiful kids and hopefully they'll be crawling and terrorizing us by Christmas <laughs> so yeah uh, it'll just be a totally different feel in the house this year so we're very very looking forward to seeing the change um and reminiscing on how far we've come. um so yeah look it's been a hard slog um how do you think your postpartum journey was this time around Completely different. Okay. Yeah, completely different. I have off days now, like you mentioned before, mm. definite off days because everyone can have an off day, and you don't get enough sleep. Uh, you're trying to diet. You're, you know, you're cranky because you want sugar. Um. Mm. <laughs> um you have a two-year-old that's incessantly asking questions and you feel guilty because all your time is spent with the babies and he knows that like you know you're just feeling like you're doing your best and it's not enough everyone can feel like that um there's days when I wake up and I say I'm not even opening the curtain today and the kids won't even know like let them watch telly. Like I'll I'll just whatever. Like i just to get through the day. I've learned you do what you gotta do and you do you and get through the day and your kids will be no worse off for it. Um so yeah, I've kind of cut myself a little bit of slack because I was always trying to be the perfect mom and perfect this. COVID was tough, you know? Yeah. Um in a way I suppose maybe I didn't have it too tough I was so used to being at home on my own with three kids anyways but it was the sense of being locked in and Harry was still going to granny prior to Covid for a, a couple of days a week just to give me a break yeah look at I it's affected him definitely uh, being at home seeing me with the babies a lot and constantly has definitely affected him but yeah look Covid was tough but um I just had no help then and like yeah. there'd days I'd ring my mom and I'd cry and like she was worried for my mental health then a, a couple of times and you know that's fine you know it was okay for me to cry but as long as I turn around and said look mom I am actually genuinely okay here I just need to get off my chest how I feel and you are the closest person bar my husband that I can talk to um and you're kind of removed from the situation because he was going through the same thing feeling guilty that he had to work still full time and I was still dealing with all this at home like you know um so look it is what it is. I I feel like uh, I have to see the positives. I got to spend so much time with my kids. I have seen every moment up until now. Like I haven't really missed anything. Um, it's definitely made me a stronger person and a better mom you know, I've had to innovate and find ways of entertaining, um, Harry, find ways of coping with like two newborns and a toddler. How do you deal with three screaming kids at one time? You're only one person. I've learned that crying is okay. Um, you know, there's always going to be someone whinging in my house because you can't tend to three kids at the same time. Uh, you find the neediest one, you deal with them and then you want the next one. And I said that to my friend who just had a baby and she's like, Oh my God, I so needed to hear that. (laughs) um, look people deal deal with things differently but that's how it works for me and um yeah I'm just a more relaxed mom now you know which is great um some people might say I'm still a little bit uptight but uh, that's just my personality um but yeah look at we've come out the far side and we're definitely on the home run now with these 20s they're they're healthy they're happy Sam is um so chilled
3: so cute.
2: like it's almost as if he's magnetized to the floor he doesn't want to move a limb and won't roll over nothing although I found him sleeping on his belly last night which was kind of cute yeah and woke up to a little smile this morning so that was nice Um, and Sophie's like a little pocket rocket oh my god she just does not stop she's like she she's an energizer bunny you can't hold her for two seconds and she's jumping out of your lap she's dying to walk Um, she just yeah she has no interest in being a baby she just wants to get up there and get out there and get her nose and everything like her mother and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's cut out of me. And, um,. Yeah, no, they're great. We've had a tough road sleep-wise with them. Um, I suppose sleep sleep with a single child is difficult when it's your first one. You don't know how to go and navigate that. Uh, We used to always hold Harry and feed him before bed and put him down. And we always found the settling process very difficult because you imagine the baby loved the closeness and whatever with you. And then you put him in the cot and you walk away. We used to have like battles of an hour on end just lying on the floor beside him. We've never had that with the twins. The twins shared a room up until a couple of months ago. And we started to find it really difficult because... Um, Sam had problems he had what they call lazy bowel syndrome uh, where he would find it difficult to pass um, so he would moan and groan and grunt the whole way through the night he'd still be semi-asleep but it was so loud that it would wake Sophie and so then we've got two babies that are awake during the night we get no sleep and every time there was a grunt or a noise we'd run in to give a soother so neither of us slept like it was ridiculous so we were fortunate enough that we had space in our house to create another room so we moved harry and we've split the twins up and we allow them to kind of self soothe much quicker now um and we followed a uh, program compliments of you um which definitely aided in moving on um and helping to create a routine for them we're not always we're not there yet sophie still has a feed during the night she's nine months old but she's you know not underweight but she she'd be on the lower end whereas sam is on the upper end. Um, <laughs> loves his food. um. <laughs> so he doesn't get a feed during the night and he's happy out but she'll cry for it. So public health nurse has advised we feed her um, and that's no big deal. Yeah. Um, And when she feeds, she settles. It's trying to find the happy medium of when do we try and wean her off, yeah. you know, and how do we go about that? Because if she screams, she's a loud one. She's going to wake everybody. So just to get back to bed, we're like, oh, let's just feed her. You know, um. So we'll get there with her, um. But definitely, their their daytime naps have regulated, and they sleep for much longer. Thank God, because there was a time there where they'd sleep for thirty minutes, mm. and you'd see me out in the road with the hair in the bun, <laughs> and <glasses>. sunglasses on, <laughs> yeah, and my my cardigan touching the ground because it's been pulled out by Harry. I don't know how many times, yeah. But um, no, we're definitely um, yeah, we're getting there, and I'm back to work this week. Woohoo! <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> If you'd like to share your story, you can pop me an email to
3: irelandsbirthstories at gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram under Ireland's Birth Stories. I look forward to bringing you another episode tomorrow.
0: up.